Welcome to the Parent Points Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cabot. The mission of this podcast is to help you, the parent, realize and accomplish this truth. You are the primary disciple maker of your child. I truly believe that this podcast only helps one parent grasp this and apply it to their home. It is 100% worth it. What's up, parents? I hope you are doing well, and I hope you're enjoying today. Uh, For most of you, today is a really big day because your kids are going back to school. And as a parent with young kids, I can't really identify uh, with these emotions, but I'm sure they're all over the place. Like, I'm sure there's a huge part of you that is so thankful that school is starting back so your kids can get out of the house and they can get some energy out. I also believe there's a part of you that is sad because even though it's crazy at home during the summer months, there's something special about it. And I'm even sure that you're nervous for your child. I'm sure you're worried about their safety. I'm sure you're hoping that they surround themselves with the right friends. I say all that to say going back to school is a big deal and it feels a whole lot of feelings, right? And here on the Parent Point Podcast, listen, our our mission is to come alongside you and equip you, the parent, to be the primary disciple maker of your child. So I just want to share with you really quickly five hacks for your student going back to school, right? So if you're taking notes, please write these down. If you're not, they're going to be in the show notes, but five hacks for going back to school or five hacks for back to school for your student. And number one is take advantage of your time. Uh, Being a student pastor for 10 years now, you see a lot of stuff. However, uh, there's one thing that you see uh, that I see uh, that's kind of been happening uh, consistently and constantly over the last 10 years, and that's a shift in time. Time has seemed to have gotten less, even though I know it's not true. Time has seemed to become more full. Time in and of itself hasn't changed, but the way that students, parents, myself, uh, whoever utilizes that time drastically has changed. So as a parent, you want to take advantage of your time. You've got to first start taking advantage of your time at work when it comes to relating with your kids. Whether you're a businessman, a pastor, accountant, construction worker, nurse, doctor, realtor, your work unfortunately travels with you. So if you can't take care of your work at work, then your work is going to come home with you. I'm going to say that again. If you can't take care of your work at work, then your work is going to come home with you. Now, listen, I know the the emergency is going to happen. I know that the phone call is going to come in. I know that the email is going to come to the inbox. and, And I get that. And there's sometimes you just can't help that. But if you're checking out at dinner because you're checking continually checking in your email, that's a problem. If you're constantly distant because you can't be present in the moment with your kids because you're worried about a task you didn't get done at work, it's a problem. So why is this a big deal? Because I believe that students want their parents to be engaged with them. I believe deep down that our stu- your students, your kids, my kids, they want us to be engaged with them and be involved in their life. So parents, you've got to take care of work at work. And then I want to give you something that you can do with your student when you're with them before and after school, because you have some uninterrupted time with them. And that is the ride to and from school. Now, I remember as a kid, what I would usually do is I'd either try to catch some extra Z's before I got to class, or I'd be looking out at the window. I'd be picking on my little sister. Uh, I'd be doing all these things instead of really engaging with my mom. Uh, And so I want to ask you, parents, what does it look like for you to fill that time on your on the way to school and on the way back from school with your kid. Why not read scripture with them or over them? Uh, Why not share a worship song that's been on your heart? Why not pray with them? What if we, the parents, started praying for our kids out loud every day before we dropped them off at school? Man, I think the the product and and the response to that would be incredible. Now, when you pick them up, 
depending on your drive. Listen, it could be super short. It could be long. But you got your students there. Ask questions. Don't just ask how your day was, but ask specific, deep questions. Ask how their friends are doing. Ask how clubs went that they're participating in. Ask how lunch was. And maybe your kids ride the bus or to and from school, or maybe they drive themselves because they're older. That's okay. Pray with, pray with them before they load up. And then when they come home, create an environment maybe with their favorite snacks or their favorite drink and, and create an environment when they come home, they want to sit and you can sit with them around a the table and you can engage them and ask them questions. But no matter what time you have with your students, I just want you to take advantage of it this year. The number two, I want you to prioritize family meals. Now, I know this seems kind of weird. But let me read you some stuff. Uh, the FMI Foundation did a recent study that showed 84% of parents would say that family meals are important, but only 50% of family dinners were eaten together. In the past 20 years, that has declined, and that has declined by 33%. So, what if you and your family had an old school family dinner night? That no matter what was going on, everyone was going to be sitting around the same table, eating the same food at the same time, and talking. Now, listen, this doesn't look like cooking a home course meal uh, every every night so you can have these family meals. No, you can go to Olive Garden. Uh, shout out to Olive Garden. You can go to Olive Garden and have a family meal, right, and create a time where there's freedom. Uh, there's a time to share. There's a time to talk about the gospel. There's time to talk about what's going on in each other's lives. So don't feel pressure to always cook, but you can always make an expectation and set a priority to have family meals together. And I even think there's a direct correlation to us being hungry and being temporarily sustained by food and us being spiritually hungry and being satisfied in the Lord. So I just want you to utilize those family meals to have good gospel-centered conversations. And then the third hack is I just want you to prioritize weekly worship. Now, this one for me has got to be, I'm going to be, it's hard for me. This is hard for me to be gentle and, and gracious with, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, and I just want to say some statements that are probably going to upset a couple of parents. And that's okay because I believe that this is truth. And it's, you know, it's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to help both of us shape the way in which we disciple our kids. Uh, but nothing outside of our Lord should determine whether you or your student worship on a weekly basis. Listen, nothing outside of the Lord should determine whether you and your student are worshiping on a weekly basis. This is going to be hard for some people to hear, but family gatherings should not take priority over you and your student worshiping with other believers. You drinking too much on a Saturday night shouldn't determine whether you or your student worship on a Sunday morning. Adjust your behaviors as fitting to the Lord and make it a priority so that you can worship Him. Your job or your student's job shouldn't determine whether you, you or they worship Jesus on a weekly basis with other believers. Sports should not determine whether or not you or your student worship Jesus with other believers on a weekly basis. Listen, I've talked to so many parents over the years in and, and student ministry, and I hear them say, yeah, my son, my daughter is super interested in student ministry, but the only thing that would prevent them from coming is practice or a game. So my question, parents, is this. Why is sports determining whether or not you or your student worship Jesus on a weekly basis with other believers? Do you believe that your student is going to get the full ride scholarship more than if they're going to stand and give an account before God one day? Now, going to church doesn't make you saved. Of course not. And playing sports at a high level doesn't make you an unbeliever either. Of course not. However, if you as a parent, if I as a parent desire our kids to passionately pursue Jesus Christ with their life, then placing them in weekly worship environments, whether that's on a Sunday or a Wednesday, must take priority. And even though it seems small, what, they're, what we're teaching our kids 
is that other things are more important than worshiping Jesus weekly. So what I want to do is I want to compound this really quickly uh, over the course of middle school, high school, college, and adult life. So just assume and make an assumption that we got somebody playing in their middle school years travel baseball or softball. Every Sunday they're at a tournament or maybe they're finishing up early Sunday morning at like 2 a.m. They get home at 2 a.m. Therefore, they're sleeping and they don't wake up to come to church on Sunday morning with their family. Uh, And neither do you because you're exhausted, the parent Uh, or their practices are on Wednesday nights from six to eight when youth groups going on. Then in high school, they play the first year and a half of travel ball, but then they get burnt out. Then they find this girlfriend or boyfriend. And because they've put other things before worship and Jesus up until this point. Why would they not idolize this relationship and place it before God? So instead of student ministry worship on Wednesday nights, they are hanging out with their high school love. Or instead of worship on Sunday mornings, they're sleeping in because they spent all night partying with their significant other. Then in college, they follow the same path. School, work, friends, relationship parties, drugs, alcohol, all could be, all could come before they worship Jesus on a weekly basis with other believers. And then when they get married and have their own children, The bills begin. The life happens. They need to make a little extra money for what they, quote, want to have. And so what? when can they work? Sunday mornings. And who works on Sunday mornings? Overachievers. And so they haven't worshipped Jesus on a weekly basis for years now, so why should they do it now? And then life, unfortunately, just repeats itself. They model what has been modeled to them. They prioritize sports above worshiping Jesus for their student and for themselves. And their kids, your grandkids at 10, 11, and 12 years old, think that it's okay to place things above Jesus and worshiping him weekly. So I'm going to share this quote with you from Shane Pruitt, who's the national next-gen director. All that means is that he just engages with the next generation and the next generation leaders uh, and just does this on a national level with the North American Mission Board. And he says this, the chances of becoming a pro athlete are 0.02%, but your kids standing before a holy God is 100%. Sports can be good for your kids, but they can't be God for your kids. Help them keep their priorities in order. And then he continues and he says this, when we allow ball, homework, and hobbies to take priority over the church when our kids are young, then we cannot be surprised when they, when they allow other things to still take priority over the church when they're older. Listen, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy, mercy from our Heavenly Father. And, I, and I'm sure the temptation is real to be so engaged in sports. But if you're in Christ, I just want to say there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. So I just want your student, I desire for your child to just passionately pursue Jesus and that that relationship with Jesus would impact everything that they would do. I I want their relationship with Jesus and worshiping him on a weekly basis to determine whether or not they go to practice or the game. That following Jesus and worshiping him weekly determines what weekend activities they partake in. I desire their relationship with the Lord to impact everything that they do as a follower of Jesus. So number one, I want you to take advantage of the time. Number two, I want you to prioritize family meals. Number three, prioritize weekly worship. Number four, I want you to encourage rest. Uh, This seems weird, but the pressures of life on the student in sixth to 12th grade are are really unhealthy. Uh, Now I can hear some parents say, I remember my grandpa saying this all the time. uh, Well, I had to do this when I was their age, or I walked in the snow backwards with no shoes on at the grocery store each day. And if I didn't, we didn't eat. Right, like sure, maybe you did those things and maybe that you had frostbite on your feet, like for sure. But did you do those things and handle the pressure of social media, gender confusion, secular issues, and being pushed on top of you and bending towards isolation? Probably not. For those of you who know me, like I believe healthy pressure is always good. Like I do. Like I'm an, I love it. I love to work hard. Uh, and I, I think it's something that you got to do and you got to push yourself. And I push myself more than anyone else 
ever pushes me. However, rest must be encouraged for these students. Now, when I say rest, I'm not saying that you relieve them of all the responsibilities and let them sit in their room, sleep, burn incense, and have no responsibilities. No, 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 no. It's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, I would also argue that that's not rest. What I mean is allow your student the ability to sit and do nothing for five or ten minutes when they get home. Don't bombard them with this practice or this thing or this chore. Let them just breathe. What I mean is create a home of peace. So when they come home from a hard day of school or practice or whenever their environment is just really, really heavy, but when they walk into the house, it seems to be light. Encourage them to sleep in some days. Again, I don't think that it means you let them sleep till, uh, you let them stay up till 1 a.m. playing video games and then let them sleep till 12 p.m. the next day, but you can let them sleep till 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday. Or if your church starts at 10.30, you could let them sleep in until 9 o'clock. Encouraging rest for your student will allow them to breathe and feel relief from the pressures of life. However, what the ultimate healing is found in is the person and work of Jesus, and Jesus rested too. And so I would encourage them, and I want to encourage you to encourage rest inside of your home. And then lastly, number five, I just want you to lead with vulnerability. Another common thing I hear from parents of students of 6th or 12th graders is that they feel like their students don't talk to them or open up. Now, first, let me say that's normal, right? Like it's normal for your students not to open up and talk to you a, a, a lot. Uh, when students go to middle school and high school, uh, uh, the parents begin to not be the most influential people in their student's life. Like you, the parent, if you have a middle schooler or high schooler, is not the most influential person in their life right now. Now, I'm not saying that you need to uh, go into detail and, and share your deepest, darkest sins and problems and stresses. Uh, I say I would say that's not healthy to do with your kids. Uh, I think you need to do that with somebody, whether that's a counselor or somebody spiritually more mature than you that can that can walk with you through those things. But what I'm saying is your kids need to hear that at work, you work was hard because you missed a deadline and you forgot to submit a project to your boss. Right. Then share with you how that made you feel, how you took actions to make sure that doesn't happen again. Because I promise you, your students are turning in homework late. It happens. It happens to everybody. However, they need to see how to respond appropriately, and they can see that in you, the parent. They also need to see that even though work is stressful for you because you missed a deadline, you're still present at home. That maybe while homework is pressing and the grades are trying to get the grades are hard at school, that when they're home, that's the most important thing is to be with their family. That while work is very important, it's not the most important we can't expect our kids to do anything that we aren't willing to do ourselves. So let's lead with vulnerability. Parents, uh, I know uh, that this school year brings a lot of concerns or worries uh, or anxious feelings. But know that we're praying for you. Know that I believe in you. Know that the local church is here for you. Uh, and I believe this school year is going to be one that in faith we look back on and see, we see that God's going to do something special in the lives of you and the life of your student. Uh, so again, I just want you to, number one, take advantage of the time. Two, prioritize family meals. Three, prioritize weekly worship. Four, encourage rest. Five, lead with vulnerability. Parents, I hope that this podcast helps you parent like you never have before. <laughs>